This morning, we're going to uh, look at the fourth uh, in a series of messages on the seven cross from the cross. Have you been to the cross? Have you stood before our Lord's cross uh, in your mind's eye, in your heart? Uh, I hope that you'll do that this morning, and uh, uh, I believe this probably uh, is a passage of Scripture that we need to look at today that probably in the, in, the, in the life of the church is, is not considered, uh, and I'll show you what it is in just a minute. Uh, but it's this morning, it's my prayer that God would take you and, and have you stand at the foot of the cross, and as we consider our Lord's fourth cry from the cross, it comes from, uh, in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 and 46 and what I'm going to ask you to do is to use your spiritual imagination in order to stand in the last moments of that awful darkness that hung like a blanket over the earth and I want you to hear the eerie silence that fell upon the jeering crowd you know that was a noisy place around the cross people making fun of those on the cross especially Jesus the the thieves crying out in agony as they were suffering. Jesus, uh, like a lamb, uh, was silent. Very little came out of his mouth during the time that he hung on the cross. Only seven sayings. And they were seven sayings that he chose to say. He said them specifically because they had specific meanings to us. They were lessons for us to learn. And so I want you to hear as that silent darkness is pierced by this cry that must have, of all of them, pierced the heart of a holy God and caused the angels to stop their ears in dismay. Verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Ile, Ile, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then when that darkness lifts, after you've heard Jesus utter that cry, you find yourself, now you're in your mind's eye standing at the foot of the cross and you're looking at Jesus. And the Bible says that when that darkness lifted, his appearance was marred more than that of any man. It tells us that in the book of Isaiah. And that his form was more and more than the sons of men. He was mangled, but not only by the beatings and the scourging, the thorns are the nails. Your sin and my sin was placed upon him, the sins of the world and the penalty of those sins was placed upon him and as a result men may only be forgiven they may only be saved they may only come to God by coming to the cross now I'm going to ask you again have you been to the cross there are people here today who need to come to the cross you say I I went to the cross when I was eight years old and I trusted Jesus as my Savior. You need to come to the cross today, still. 
There are people who are yet to realize what it is that Jesus did to you. Maybe you're yet to open your heart and receive Him as your Savior, or maybe today you need to come to the cross and ask Him to forgive you of your sins. This fourth cry from the cross uh, is found in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 27. Uh, it's also found in the book of Mark, only those two places in the New Testament, but that's not where it comes from. It doesn't come from the New Testament. This is not something we're first told about in the New Testament. It comes from the book of Psalms, and so I'd like you to open your Bible to Psalm 22. Most of us in here can say what the first verse of Psalm 23 is. The Lord is my shepherd. But do you know what the first verse of Psalm 22 is? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalm 22 is a psalm of the cross. Uh, and it reveals what was taking place in that, in that darkness on the cross. Now, don't lose sight of what was happening on the cross. Jesus was on the cross. Uh, Jesus, who knew more about God than any man can ever know. Jesus, who was closer to God than any man can ever be. Jesus, at that moment when he uttered this cry, felt farther from God than any man could ever feel. And so that's what we're considering as we look at this passage of Scripture and why he felt that way. And so I would like to begin just by reading verse 2, uh, verse 2 of Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is a history of the cross. It's not a prophecy of the cross. It was written before the cross took place, but it's a history. As God looked ahead in time and saw the sufferings of His Son and recorded them, they are recorded for us here in the Old Testament in explicit detail. And if you've never read this psalm, you're going to be surprised at how it turns out. Beginning to read in verse 2 of Psalm 22. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy O oh, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel, in you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were delivered, in you they trusted and were not disappointed. Now here is the first reason, I'm going to give you several of them this morning, why Jesus uttered this cry on the cross, because there have been several different explanations for why he might have said what he did. Why did he say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? One of the reasons was, as Jesus hung on the cross, the heavens above him were silent. That's number one. You see, Jesus, the man who taught men how to pray, Jesus, whose prayers brought healing, cast out demons, even raised the dead, Jesus, who talked with the Father more intimately than any man ever will, Jesus, who was obedient to the Father's will, who lived a sinless life, who loved with perfect love, Jesus, God's only Son, 
who God heard more readily and more willingly than any other, that same Jesus hung suspended on the cross between heaven and earth and rejected by both. Now you need to understand that the ears of the Father in heaven were not shut to the anguished cry of the Son on earth. No loving earthly father can shut out the pitiful cries of a suffering child. And God in heaven, whose father love surpasses that of any earthly father, did not shut himself off to the cries of his son on the cross. Just as an earthly father's heart is broken when his children suffer, God's heart, God's heart was broken as Jesus hung crying and dying on the cross. God did hear, but God refused to answer. God did feel the anguish of our Lord, but He refused to help. It was not that God couldn't help. It was that God wouldn't help. It was not that God ever once stopped loving the world that He wouldn't help or that he ever once stopped loving his son that he wouldn't help. It was that God never once stopped loving the world. Those last prayers of Jesus in the garden, you will remember they were agonizing prayers to the Father as he sweat great drops of blood, praying that he would let this cup pass from him. And yet even there he surrendered himself to his Father's will. And as he prayed on the cross, his prayers must have seemed to just fall to the ground like the blood that dripped from his body to the ground below. And here on the cross he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why did he feel this way? Look at verse 6 of Psalm 22. He says, this is, these are our Lord's words on the cross, but I am a worm and not a man a reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag the head saying, Commit yourself to the Lord. Let Him deliver Him. Let Him rescue Him because He delights in Him. This, these were the words not uttered from our Lord's mouth, there were only seven words uttered from our Lord's mouth, seven sayings. But these are the words of our Lord's heart that give us a history of His suffering on the cross, the inner agonies on the cross that were not seen by men. So number two, what was happening at the cross? The hounds of hell howled around the cross. I remember in that movie, The Passion of the Christ, you might remember if you saw it. There was a personification of Satan. There was a personification of Satan. Wherever Jesus was, he was always in the background looking, sneering, looking for an opportunity. There was a personification of Satan in the garden. And there was a personification of Satan. Somebody that looked like the devil walking around the cross. Nobody could see him. But you know, wherever the devil was, Jesus could see him. And those who made that movie certainly felt that he was in the crowds that day, uh, along with the, the demons unseen by 
Jesus himself moving through the crowd as that crowd laughed in hellish glee around the cross as Jesus hung there. The demons that trembled with fear throughout our Lord's ministry danced with delight as he hung on that cross. It was their presence that possessed this crowd to cry with such passion for his crucifixion and to hurl their abuse at the suffering Savior. The hounds of hell were there. The list of physical abuse against Jesus is long. We've talked about that. I've sat down here at the front and talked to the children about the thorns on his head and the nails in his hands. It's not hard to understand that, but their words, the words of this crowd were like stones cast at a condemned man. Each blow was more crushing than the force of their fist against his face. Their mockings stung him worse than the stripes from the soldier's whip. Because you see, Jesus on the cross loved them, and he loved them with a love they couldn't comprehend, and that rejection of his love pierced him more deeply than the thorns that pierced his brow or the nails that pierced his hand or the sword that pierced his side. He was the Son of God. He was the King of Israel. He was the King of glory. He was the King of kings and Lord of lords. And here he was suffering the hateful, hurtful, shameful humiliation of the cross. The people that he loved, the people that he came to save, viewed him as less than a man, less than human. He said, I'm a worm, despised of all the people. They despised him. In verse 6 of Psalm 22, the word people, the Hebrew word can mean a single group of people, just like a little crowd. It can also mean a whole race of people, or it can mean the whole human race. And here, all three could apply. The people around the cross despised him. The Jews despised him. The whole world despised him. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever sullied your reputation. If anybody has ever said anything about you that wasn't true to humiliate you and embarrass you. And maybe it stuck a while. Maybe they put it on Facebook. Maybe uh, they said it behind your back and you heard about it. Maybe they said it to your face. But here's Jesus hanging on the cross. And their view of his personal worth hurt him deeply, but their view of his faith hurt him all the more. Here the hounds around the cross howl as they say, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. If God really loves you like you say, let him deliver you. Now you remember last week we said as Jesus hung on the cross, he hung there forsaken by his friends and forsaken by his family. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. The Jews despised him. The Romans crucified him. The world of humanity rose up against him. Satan howled and Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why did he feel this way? Look at verses 9 and 10 of Psalm 22. Yet thou art he who didst bring me forth from the womb. Thou didst make me trust when upon my mother's breast. Upon thee I was cast from birth. Thou hast been my God from my 
mother's womb. The next suffering of our Lord on the cross was the hurtful homesickness of his soul. Remember, we're dealing with a moment in the life of Jesus. We're dealing with this space of time on that cross which prompted him to utter this cry. And from this psalm, we're understanding the agonies that he endured that wrung forth this wretched cry from the depths of his soul. Look again at verse 1, if you would. Just look at verse 1. You'll notice it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Now that might be in your Bible that you're fortunate enough to have another word there. The word roaring. Because that's literally what it is. It is the roar like the roar that a lion would make. Who was on the cross? The Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world but also the lion of the tribe of Judah. Remember, Jesus had always known the Father's presence in his life from before he was born to when he was born to as a child. There was never a time he was not aware of his father or the need even as a child to be about his father's business. He had a relationship with the father that no other man had ever known. His purity and his sinless life left the lines of communication always open between he and the father. God brought him safely from his mother's womb. He protected him as a baby when the hand of Herod would have killed him. At his baptism, the Holy Spirit descended upon him and God's voice thundered forth from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. After his long temptation in the wilderness, the Father sent angels to minister to him. The Father had empowered him and overshadowed him, led him and loved him, and the Son followed obediently even to the cross. And even here, he acknowledged the Father's control. Yet in one moment of dark despair, feeling all alone and isolated from his Father, and that was a feeling he had never known, separated from God, and it horrified him as he hung on that cross, and he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But we also need to consider the horrendous agony of the cross. Because you see, Psalm 22 is more than a prophecy. It's a history of what happened that day on the cross. It's the record of the mental, spiritual, and physical torment that our Savior endured. There are some things that Jesus said on the cross that his followers heard and recorded. And then there are some things that he said in his heart that God heard and recorded in Psalm 22 beginning to read in verse 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me 
as a ravening and a roaring lion, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, like a scrap of broken pottery. My tongue cleaves to my jaws, and thou dost lay me in the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Some of you have never, ever seen these words from Scripture. You've never read Psalm 22. You had no idea that this whole event is planted in the heart of the Old Testament. And here is our Lord, nails pierced His hands and feet, but these other agonies were inner tortures that crucified His soul. They compounded the physical agony of the cross. And so there He hung between heaven and earth and rejected by both. His soul crucified by inner torments. His body impaled by great nails to a wooden cross. And He cried out, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Why did he feel this way? What made him utter this cry from the depths of his soul? The final thing I would like you to see is that, and suggest to you is that Jesus suffered hell on the cross. Not hell at some other time. He suffered hell on the cross. I go back to Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 and 46. And the Bible says, From the sixth hour darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Bible records that as Jesus hung on that cross, a, day, a great darkness hung over the land for three hours. Day turned to night. Something happened in that darkness. Something wonderful and at the same time something terrible. Something holy and at the same time something reeking with all the foul smells of hell. For the Bible says he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. God the Father laid the sins of the world on the Son and then turned His back. Jesus said at His arrest, He said, Why didn't you rest, arrest me in the temple? I was there every day, but this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. Jesus said of those who were wicked and unprofitable servants that the day would come when they would be cast into outer darkness, a darkness that was devoid of God and filled with every vile and foul thing imaginable, filled with suffering and torment. It was into that darkness that Jesus passed and remained in utter silence from the sixth until the ninth hour. Some have suggested that this darkness was a physical manifestation 
a physical manifestation of spiritual evil as God turned his back on Jesus and left him alone to face the full horror of separation from God and all that accompanied it for those hours on the cross. I want you to think about something with me for a minute. When you die, when you die, when I die, when a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ dies, the Lord has promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. Psalm 23 we read, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. So when a saint of God dies, even if he dies at the hands of the enemies of the cross, he never dies alone. Whatever trouble we go through, God has promised that we'll never pass through it alone. But when Jesus was nailed to the cross to bear your sin and mine, God abandoned him. He left him alone. And Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now I want to ask you, have you been to the cross? Have you stood before that cross and considered what Jesus did there for you? Have you been there with your sin to the cross? The Bible says that Jesus hung on the cross and our sins were nailed there. All of our pain, all of our shame, all of our sorrow was nailed there. Every bit of it. Even sickness nailed to the cross for by his stripes we are healed when Jesus hung on the cross he was suffering for you and he was suffering for me he died in my place so that God wouldn't have to abandon me otherwise I would be abandoned when I die have you been to the cross this morning do you need to come to the cross you need to say, Lord, I have not lived like I ought to have lived. Lord, I have sinned in the face of the cross knowing what you did for me. And God, I need your forgiveness. I need your cleansing. I need you to help me live a different life. Let's pray.